Hello and welcome to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions by casuals for casuals. My name is Courtney. And I am Carl. This is the Attack on Titan special event. In honor of the epic conclusion that continues on and never ends because it's never really the final part of this show that, defi <laughs> that defines this generation of anime, we're reviewing every single episode of the final, final, final season. This week, we're reviewing episode 87, The Dawn of Humanity, which is the final episode of this part of the final season. As always, there'll be spoilers about anything that's happened in the Attack on Titan anime, so you've been warned. The hell did you just say? I'm just trying to <laughs> explain what they're explaining to us, that yes, everyone, this is not the final episode of the final season. This is the final episode of part two of the final season because we got an announcement that there will be a part three. Yes, so the final, final, final season will be coming in 2023, uh, according to this article from Crunchyroll.com. After the broadcast of the final episode of Attack on Titan Final Season Part 2 on Japanese TV, the official Twitter account for the franchise announced that the TV anime will continue with AOT Final Season Part 3, which is titled Attack on Titan The Final Season Final Arc in Japan. Is it really called the final arc? Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> they actually use the word final twice. <laughs> yes. It's it just it just rolls off the tongue. But at least we have that confirmation that mm -hmm. it truly is the final final. Yes. So the official twitter for aot did release a teaser trailer and a visual uh, that is available on their twitter feed uh, we can share that link in our discord the visual just shows the ld avengers the the remnants of levi's squad and the uneasy alliance with the marley side um, sitting or standing within the footprint of one of the wall titans and they're kind of looking upwards uh, I, I like it because it's kind of it kind of calls back to the first visual for Attack on Titan, the first season, where it's Aaron looking up at the Colossal Titan, but now it's like we're seeing it from the Colossal Titan's view this time around. It kind of reminds me. The first thing I thought of when I saw it was Jurassic Park. I was uh, like, "This is a dinosaur yeah. footprint, and you're standing inside of it." I I don't know if that showed up in Jurassic Park for some reason. My brain is telling me that at some point. In Jurassic Park, someone stood in a giant dinosaur footprint. Maybe I'm gaslighting. I don't know, but that's what it reminded me of. It's a very stubby footprint, too. For yeah, it's the a big, like, Titan. chunker foot. Yeah, I, I noticed it even in the final scene of the, uh, today's episode. Uh, it, you know, it just, yeah, very stumpy. Just kind of like a <laughs> cartoony foot, but the I guess The widest foot ever. Yeah, the Colossal Titan, it's... Even though these are wall titans, they're more synonymous with colossal titans. I know their proportions aren't always to like uh, human scale or however you however you call that. They're like the epitome of like a box. Yeah. Like when someone's shaped like a box, like that's literally what the wall titans look like. But regardless, again, the the one thing to pull from this is that we still have more AOT content coming for the next coming in the next year um and I, i'm just so relieved that it's going to stick to tv formats because we were speculating for the longest time that or like people were saying it could be a movie to wrap it up i was gonna ask were you hoping for more of the anime or were you hoping for a movie but i think you just answered that question yeah i i think most of us were were hoping that it would stay with the tv format because we've talked about before like 
with uh, Japanese anime films, usually they don't release in the West until a couple months later. And so that just makes us here in the States have to anticipate a little bit longer while trying to avoid spoilers. Granted, us, the both of us as anime viewers, we still have to be uh, sort of privy to manga spoilers up until the, the final, final, final season finally airs but <laughs> yeah i think a movie like it, it would make sense right like finish off a grand story with a movie but is it the best way to go about it i would say no because as you mentioned there's probably a delay for overseas audiences the way that these anime mo movies come out and then they come out for us months later on top of that there's something that will be lost around the weekly hype with attack on titan I think that's something that we're missing very much in JoJo Part 6 Stone Ocean for anyone who's familiar with that situation. But that weekly hype of, you know, theorizing and talking as a community about what you just watched and what could be happening in the next episode, that I think brings everyone together and just kind of keeps us all moving forward in the words <laughs> of Aaron Yeager. And I think that would really be, that hype would be lost if it was just a movie, a one-time thing, like one and done it just, I don't know, there's not this roller coaster that you get to be on. I can see, like, with movies, especially with us recently watching Jujutsu Kaisen, uh, the energy that you can feel from a crowd as you react to these insane or these really hype moments from a film. Like, you, you can't get that just from the comfort of your own home. Like, you can still feel excited, but there's, like not as much energy as there is watching something collectively with a group of people. Although I'm sure most of us out there will probably have like watch parties with friends uh, once we get the, the entire series finale for this show. And I think it's also nice, just the comfort and familiarity piece of it. I mean, we, we've been on this journey in weekly anime format for how many years? Right, like Attack on Titan's been around, when did it first air? Uh, a little under 10 years because it first aired 2013. Yeah, so I mean, we, well, yeah, it'll be 10 years next oh, year. Yeah, oh my God, that's so crazy. Years. So for a whole decade, <laughs> we're familiar with this weekly format. And to just kind of have that changed all of a sudden, I think, again, it's not anything crazy, but just losing that, that, that familiarity, I think, will pull us out of the hype and the immersion that is Attack on Titan. Like it's different when you have to sit there for 25 minutes and try to get as much as you can out of the episode versus having like a two, one and a half to two hour movie. Like there's so much more to process yeah. all at once. Um, and you just kind of have to talk about it as like one big info dump at the end versus again, like the weekly discussions that we get in a weekly airing format. Yeah, and I feel like you are limited with movie runtime. So you kind of miss any sort of incredible Incon why can I say this word intricacies and details because uh, a lot of Attack on Titan is centered around not just the action but just the world building and all the deep conversations and discussions that these characters have and I think to have put that within a film format you, you might kind of lose some of that because you have to sacrifice certain scenes for like what the studio deems to be more significant so, yeah, I, I don't think they've announced how many episodes yet, but from what I've heard from manga readers, they have about 
nine more chapters to cover. Which doesn't seem like a lot, but I'm sure a lot happens in those chapters. So hopefully we get a full 12 episodes, like minimum 12 episodes, but who knows? Yeah, I think it's more equivalent to about eight episodes if they do nine chapters. That's such a short season. Yeah. (laughs) I, I just hope it doesn't go like the... The Game of Thrones route where they think six season or six episodes is enough to finish this off. I forgot it was six episodes. Yeah. I just remember how terribly it ended. But yeah, I forgot <laughs> that it was six episodes. Um, but I think our plan to kind of hold us over between now and what it truly is the final part of Attack on Titan is to rewatch Attack on Titan from the very beginning, from episode one, season one, episode one. Yes. I think originally we were going to do that after the entire series had wrapped up which we were assuming was going to be after this final part but since that's not the case i'm i would be down to to view it all again um it's been quite some time since we watched like the the first three seasons of attack on titan i've never rewatched any of attack on titan Mm -hmm. so and and i watched I think I watched season one when it first premiered. So yeah, it's been a decade since I've seen season one. Yeah, I mean, I've only like rewatched clips of it online or rewatched key episodes in preparation for certain discussions that we had, but never in its entirety. And like, I I look forward to viewing it again with or through a different lens with having all the context of what we know now versus back then where we were like clueless how certain scenes were happening or why certain things were happening. Maybe if people are interested, um, if you guys are all interested, maybe we could do some special, special episodes leading up to the return of our special event because needless to say, our Attack on Titan special event will return in 2023 with the final part of the final season. But maybe leading up to that, we can do a couple of additional episodes where we talk about seasons one, two, and three now that we're rewatching it for pretty much the first time and talk about the small details that we're picking up on that we weren't aware of the first time we watched it because we didn't have the full context around the lore. So if you guys are interested in something like that, let us know. I think it'd be fun um, just to kind of tee us up for the return of the special event, the return of Attack on Titan, and really the finale of all of it. But with that said, we do want to take a second to say thank you so much to everyone for joining us every single week for the second installment of our Attack on Titan special event. Um, Like I said, we'll be bringing it back in 2023 with the part three final installment of the final season. Um, But we hope that you'll join us again in 2023. And in the meantime, check out the rest of our episodes here at Strictly Anime because we have lots and lots of in-depth anime reviews and discussions about anime culture. Um, we have new episodes every single Monday. So if you are one of the the people listening who mostly just tunes in for the Attack on Titan content, we really encourage you to check out the rest of our content because we tackle a lot of different anime and talk about a lot of different anime-related topics. Yeah, so even with the void that will be in our hearts now that Attack on Titan will no longer be on our TV screens for the remainder of the year, Uh, We do have a lot of stuff gearing up, um, especially for the start of the spring 2022 season. Uh, We'll be having our impressions episode in a couple weeks once we've seen a couple episodes of the new anime premiering. Um, We also will have a lot of special guests coming up on our Strictly Anime episodes. Uh, We like to do one every month or so. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, definitely check us out. Uh, So... 
yeah, definitely check out our other content. Uh, you definitely won't be disappointed. And if you guys have enjoyed our Attack on Titan special event, if you've been joining us every single week, please consider leaving us a rating on the podcast service that you're listening to us on right now. Um, it really does help us out a ton. If you're listening on Spotify in particular, you can follow us on on there, on the app, or I think on the desktop app. I think anywhere Spotify allows you to, to follow us, do so. You can also hit the bell icon to be notified when new episodes are released. And consider leaving us a rating so that we can reach our goal of 100 ratings on Spotify. I think the last time we asked for ratings, we jumped up like 10 ratings or something. So thank you everyone who's been doing that. We really appreciate it. And um, for those who haven't done that yet, if you'd be so kind to do so, we would really appreciate it. And I just realized that I said appreciate twice, but hopefully that really emphasizes how much we do sincerely appreciate it. And then one more thing that really helps us out and helps our podcast grow is recommendations. I read somewhere that the fastest way that podcasts grow is through word of mouth. So if you have a friend who loves anime, who either listens to podcasts or should be introduced to the world of podcasts, um, if you could recommend us to them, that would be awesome because we'd love to have more people join us every single week as we talk about anime. Yeah, we'd love to keep you comfortable as you sit in like rush hour traffic on your way to work or even <laughs> i was like what are you, you know? <laughs> what are you trying to say we keep them comfortable but no, yes that makes to, sense yeah listening to our voices or if you, like you do dishes uh, you listen to us tackle uh the the next anime review or something you're speaking from experience because we actually do listen to podcasts while we're driving and while we're doing the dishes and while we're working and pretty much all day long we're listening to podcasts no, i think like podcasts are, are therapeutic and hopefully we can provide that same level of therapy <laughs> to our listeners and if you want to be more in touch with us um, and chat directly with us please consider joining our discord the link is in the description we've got a lot of uh, a lot of great people on our discord we've been enjoying every interaction that we've had and funny enough i think yesterday some of our Discord members were playing tic-tac-toe on Historia's forehead <laughs> because apparently there's a shot of Historia in this episode of Attack on Titan where she looks like she's got a five head going on. Yeah. So they were like, let's play tic-tac-toe on her forehead. I'm like, this <laughs> yeah. is great. I this is amazing. <laughs> no idea what was going on, but it, that was just, <laughs> I opened that chat up this morning and just saw that I was laughing my ass off. <laughs> so yeah, we've got great people on the Discord and we hope that you'll join us as well. We also have a big announcement to share. Um, we're super excited to let all of you know that we'll be hosting a panel next month at Anime Central. We're so excited about it. It'll be Waifu Wars, the tournament arc, and we'll be releasing audio as a special episode on Strictly Anime after the convention. So for those who aren't familiar, Anime Central is the biggest anime convention in the Chicago area. It's our home convention because we're from Chicago. Um, it's been about three years since the convention has actually happened due to the pandemic. So they're finally bringing it back. We're super excited to be back and we're even more excited that we get to be part of the convention by hosting this panel. So if you're interested in Waifu Wars, the tournament arc, um, if you want to be part of this live recording that we're going to release as an episode on Strictly Anime, we will definitely share more details as things are finalized, including the date and time for the panel. Um, but yeah, if you're, if you're planning to attend Anime Central, we hope to see you there. Yeah, I'm so eager to listen to people's passionate pleas for their <laughs> For their, their waifus. waifus. <laughs> um, and yeah, I just, I just miss the convention experience. So getting to go back and especially hosting a panel will, will be a big treat for us. Uh, <laughs> I'm remembering one of our 
previous experiences at a panel a couple of years ago. I think we went to a, a panel where they were doing music. Tri- it was video game music trivia, right? Yeah. Uh, and so they would play a piece of like video game music. And then once someone's hand in the audience shot up, they would ask or like they would go to that person and they would guess. I think they had to answer two questions. I think the first question was to name the um, the song. Yeah. Like name the video game the song came from. And then the second question to get like the full point or whatever was to name the name of the song or and or possibly who wrote it. I think it's just like the name of the song and the game it came from. Yeah. Um, and some of the songs were pretty easy. Like a lot of them were, were difficult. And uh, we went with our group of friends and we we weren't part of the panel but we were hyping up the crowd a lot and so the people sitting around us were you know getting hyped as well and i remember like there was one song i don't remember what the song was or what video game it came from uh but no one knew the title or the video game and so one of the people sitting next to us just randomly shouted shark tale from game boy advance yeah he was like shark tales on game boy advance and i laughed so fucking hard. I don't know what it was about hearing Shark Tales on Game Boy Advance that just set me off, but I could not stop laughing. So Shark Tales guy, if you're out there, please come to our panel. You will be a VIP guest. You're like the funniest dude I met at that convention. That was a great answer. We'll have a seat right up front for you and put a, a, a like reserved spot to <laughs> Maybe the next time they host that anime music trivia, anime video game music trivia panel, they'll actually take some music from Shark Tales on Game Boy Advance. It'll it be just, like a lot of beeps. Or <laughs> yeah, I think like just the nostalgia factor of hearing that title is what like overwhelmed me and that's why I started laughing because I played that game when I was a kid but oh, who did. would ever think of that game <laughs> who would ever remember that that game existed but that guy did he remembered and he had a great answer even though it was clearly wrong <laughs> and I'm remembering too at one point and this always makes us laugh and it's become like an inside joke in our group of friends but they started to increase the difficulty level with each round for the <laughs> you're laughing you know what i'm going to say yeah i know um they they increase the difficulty level each round and by the the hardest level or the hardest round um there were some really obscure games um and songs that were being played and i remember they played some song i don't even remember what game it was it was from. it was from pokemon I was think. it yeah <laughs> so this guy like shoots his hand up he's all confident he's like i've got the answer so he says it's from pokemon and the 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 host just looks at him and says okay and <laughs> we're like what do you mean okay and i think he was trying to say okay you named the game but also what is the name of the song because it's supposed to be a two-part answer but the guy's just like pokemon and the host just looks at him dead in the eye speaks into the microphone in front of everyone and says okay and we're just like what the fuck kind of response is that oh my god so needless to say we we we're very excited to go back to conventions we're very excited to go back to panels and now we'll be hosting one so i hope that there's a shark tales guy in the audience for our panel i hope that there are some really stupid moments at our panel because that's the kind of stuff that we love yeah, well, now we'll be on the end of that panelist who says, okay, and. and we'll whip, yeah, we'll whip out an okay, and. <laughs> no, I'm sure, like, I'll, I'll give them credit. Like, I'm sure hosting a panel is difficult. and Especially with a rowdy crowd. <laughs> yeah, although, like, this will be my first panel experience, and I think you've done a couple in the past. But yeah, it's... like, really small mm-hmm. panels about, like, dating when I was 
you know, too young to really understand things about dating. Why we ever ran that panel, I don't know, but we did. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I'm looking forward to this. It's going to be a very fun, very exciting panel. And of course, for any listeners out there who are in the Chicagoland area and are planning to attend Anime Central, we would love to see you at our panel. We'll provide more details as the date draws nearer. Um, Anime Central is which weekend in May again? Ooh, let me look at the calendar. It is May 20th to the 22nd, 2022. Yeah, so hopefully we will see you there. And now on to some anime updates before we jump into Attack on Titan. Thank you, everyone who reached out to me and shared with me their fate watch order because I am very confused by fate. There's a lot of fate content. And if you don't know what the fuck I'm talking about on our previous episode where we reviewed my dress up darling, I had mentioned in just like a quick anime update that I officially started the fate series, starting with fate zero, which I think is the common one to start with. It's the most popular on Mal. So I figured I'll, I'll enter this, you know, this dumpster fire <laughs> through Fate Zero. And by dumpster fire, I mean, I look, I tried to look at the Fate lore and watch orders, and it's just like a hot fucking mess. It seems like a really great story, but it seems like as well that the Phantom can't agree on a watch order and the lore is super, super complex. So I asked for anyone's recommendations on a Fate watch order, and a few people reached out. And it's super helpful for me because now I have some clarity around where I should go next after finishing Fate Zero. But I finished the first part or first season of Fate Zero and I loved it. I thought it was really, really good. So I am invested and I will definitely be using these watch orders to help me get through everything that is Fate. That just reminds me of like how confusing like the Kingdom Hearts lore oh, is. Oh, like, yes. So you got to yes. let us know which is more confusing. Yeah, what's more <laughs> confusing, Fate lore or Kingdom Hearts lore? <laughs> and one more thing that we both ended up watching this week. No, 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 not watching, binging. binging. I'm okay. so proud of you. You binge <laughs> something with me. <laughs> yeah, like this show was definitely interesting enough to binge the whole way through. It was only 10 episodes, but... It was definitely a hidden gem for winter 2022. And that is uh, Kotaro Lives Alone, which is a Netflix anime series. And I know we've talked shit about Netflix many times on our regular (laughs) podcast. But this is one show that just blew our expectations out of the water. And on the surface level, it just looks like some innocent slice of life. Uh, it is about a, a young boy who, who kind of talks like he's from the feudal age and he ends up renting an apartment all by himself and he interacts with some of his neighbors um, who kind of question his situation. But you find out that amidst like all of the, the comedy and hijinks, there's something more profound with Kotaro's story that it, it kind of just sticks with you. It's I'm still thinking about this show even after finishing it yesterday. Um, what did you think, though? It was fantastic. I, I'm i glad that you were willing to binge with me because I don't know if I would have the patience to wait. I needed to see the whole thing. It was so incredibly good. And on Mal, it only has like, it just cracked 40,000 members on Mal. And that is criminally low for a show mm-hmm. that is this good and this unexpected. I mean, I had only seen some of the PVs and teasers from the like Netflix Japan 
or Netflix Anime Japan event that happened, um, I don't know, was it like several months ago? Yeah. And I was like, okay, this looks cute, but I don't know if I'd want to watch it. And we actually got um, some recommendations from folks who were like, you need to watch this. Um, I think probably about like three or four people had told me about this anime. And I'm like, all right, fine. I will watch this anime, will watch this anime. And I'm so glad that we listen to recommendations when we do because I would have been kicking myself if we missed the show, if we skipped out on the show because it was so good. And for 10 episodes, it's it hits you so hard. Like it does mm-hmm. so much with 10 episodes that other anime simply can't accomplish. Yeah, so a bit of a disclaimer is that Again, it, it has its nice balance of comedy with some pretty heavy themes, but I think it's balanced pretty well enough that you can enjoy the show as a whole. Uh, again, the animation, it's it's okay. Um, it's, it leaves a little bit more to be desired, but I think you can kind of forsake that with just like the the, the message of the show itself. Yeah, don't let the animation style fool you or put you off from watching this anime it's just like ranking of kings don't let don't what is the the saying don't judge a book by its cover like that's that's perfect for this situation similar to ranking of kings because those two anime i think hit really hard despite looking like they shouldn't despite looking like they're from like pbs kids yeah (laughs) (laughs) so yeah we highly recommend kotaro lives alone if you haven't seen it again just 10 episodes that's all you need to invest your time in but you hopefully will be as impressed as we were with the show and while you're at it if once you've watched the show you you want more content uh around kotaro lives alone i highly recommend that you check out anime brothers podcast they did an episode earlier this week uh, where they discuss the show, kind of keep it f- spoiler free, but it was a really interesting and engaging discussion. Um, and they're a couple of our good podcast friends, so definitely check it out because um, I, I was also in need of Kotaro content, and their episode is what I needed to to fill that void. Yeah, definitely check them out and check that episode out. I think it's episode one hundred nine of Anime Brothers Podcast, the hidden gem called Kotaro Lives Alone. And that is exactly what that anime is. All right. So I have my Attack on Titan mug in hand. You are all ready to go. (laughs) Look at you. Yeah, I I made sure to wash this before the episode um, just so I could get in the mood. I, I bought this recently. Wait, why wash it specifically? <laughs> because it's the it's an Attack on Titan mug. I oh, you mean like you had from... used it and you needed to wash it so you could have it ready to use yeah, again? Yeah, for, okay. for our episode. <laughs> I was like, uh, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I bought it recently from Box Lunch. It has the Wings of Freedom emblazoned on both sides. And I'm enjoying a bit of Armin's Dark Roast. as, <laughs> as Oh, as boy. We're, we're discussing this. But um, with that said, let's just go ahead and jump into our... Our, our overall thoughts for Attack on Titan, the final season, episode 87, The Dawn of Humanity. What did you think about this episode? So as a, okay, not like a season finale, because it's still technically the same season. They're different cores, right? Is that what this is? Mm-hmm. As a core finale? I don't know. As the finale of part two, I thought that um, it was very satisfying, but different in the sense that it really didn't progress the story forward at all. It was more a flashback episode to give us context around things that we have previously seen. And I found that to be just as valuable as moving the the story forward. I think anytime we can get more context around things that happened, because one thing in particular is what happened before 
Aaron infiltrated Marley? What happened before he met up with Reiner and killed? What's his face? What's the 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 blonde guy's face that he killed during the play? Oh, Willie Tyber. Yeah, Willie Tyber. Before that whole episode, what the fuck happened? I wanted to see them go to Marley, and I wanted to see them experience this whole new world. That sounds like an Aladdin quote, but it's not. Um, and we got that in this episode. We got that additional context that added a whole lot to pretty much the story that we've gotten in this final season. I think that um, I still would have have liked a little more progression at the end of the episode, but hey, we got the start of the rumbling. So like, well, part... the rumblies, rumblings technically already started. True, right? we got this the start like of like phase two. Of the yeah, <laughs> we got the start of the destruction of Marley, I guess. But even then, we didn't see any destruction. It was kind of like you see the footprint come down from that wall titan, and the episode just cuts. Yeah, it felt similar to the way they ended part one, where it was Aaron in his attack titan looking up at the airships and mm-hmm. was like, bring it on, Reiner, let's fucking go. And then we had to fucking wait. So it's it's a similar feeling this time around. But yeah, I just thought it was an interesting choice to end this part of the season with a almost 100% flashback episode um, and kind of give us no context around again like what's Aaron about to do um what's going on with the scouts after they you know rescued or rescued they obtained that airship and they're gonna go repair it what's going on with flock if he's still alive there's just a lot of questions that we're left with as always but what about you I honestly thought from the preview from two weeks ago that this was going to be like a recap episode I would have been so (laughs) mad because the preview only showed Aaron from his the scene where he's talking with Zeke in the in Liberio at the hospital and I thought they were just reusing the clip from whichever episode they showed that scene from but obviously like that scene did come into play in this uh, core finale um, so I'm, I'm glad that it wasn't a recap Although it technically is kind of a recap because Mikasa and Aaron are recapping memories that we weren't privy to before. Uh, but yeah, like this episode, besides being like a, a, a strange sort of deviation from the, the action that we were used to with the past one and a half episodes, this one felt more reflective. And it was mostly, I saw it like, as a tale of two characters, like with Mikasa and Aaron, but mostly Aaron, because Mikasa's talking more about Aaron <laughs> in her reflection. And you see her continuing to reflect on her feelings about Aaron and his crusade against the world. And then on the flip side, you have Aaron, who is still remaining steadfast in his resolve to carry through with the rumbling as a, as a means to eradicate the world of its violence and hatred towards the Eldians, and peppered in between that, you have scenes that reminded me of the season three finale, where you see the scouts reach the, sh- the, the sea, like the, the shores of Paradise, and like they're just enjoying their time in the water and, and just having a grand old time. You see that here as the scouts enter the other side of the sea, um, at that same, have that same sense of ease where they're living young and wild and free (laughs) and then the episode throws you back into the dread and despair that is Aaron's psychology so it was a very sort of like yin and yang episode which I think is symbolized very 
very well with Mikasa and Eren's outfit on the ship where she's wearing all white and you see Eren's suit is all black. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. But I agree. The, the whole episode was brilliant because normally I think Armin is the narrator of the story because Armin does the episode previews mm-hmm. at the end of each episode. Um, but here we get POV for Mikasa in the first half of the episode and then POV for Eren in the second half. And the focus of this episode is answering the lifelong question of has Aaron changed? The answer, I think, is both yes and no at the same time. Like, that's not a satisfying answer, but I think that's the answer we're getting here. Similar to how Aaron told Zeke earlier in part two of the final season, he's the same Aaron that he always was. But at the same time, he appears to be changing because he's learned to, you know, perhaps control his emotions. Um, and after opening up his dad's memories, he's becoming more broken, mm. especially as the time nears for him to finally make the rumbling happen. Because, again, this is a flashback. So I think here it's like, has Aaron changed? Yes, on the outside he's changed. But no, he has not changed on the inside. He started off this story the same kind of person, angry, stubborn, and headstrong, and he's remaining the same way now. It's just the package that that's coming in looks and acts a bit different. Yeah, I would say it's not Aaron's, not Aaron that's changed, but his goals have changed in a way. Have they, though? Because he ends the episode by saying what he said at the end of episode one of this entire show. Well, that's actually, <laughs> I'm being really technical here. Well, okay, it's, okay. It's, well, let's, let's it's, leave it. We can save it for the okay. end then because yeah, I, I do have some things I want to say about that too. Okay. But you bring up a good point that we will definitely get to. Yeah. And with that all said, let's go ahead and march or swim onward to our synopsis and discussion for Attack on Titan, the final or not so final season, episode 87, The Dawn of Humanity. Oh, the humanity. <laughs> As the parody's pontoon set sail towards the Marlian coast, Mikasa has a Dear Diary moment where she reflects on the downfall of her Jaeger mister that began with their initial infiltration of Marley only mere months ago. Dressed to the nines in their Goodfellas cosplays and taking in the wonders of the outside world at their arrival, Levi's squad witnesses an Aladdin cosplaying thief harassed by a Marlian mob and a low-rise Levi harassed by a clown with no sense of personal space, before heading to the Azumabito Embassy to strategize for an upcoming pro-Eldian anime convention. The night before, Mikasa shares an awkward teenage romance scene with Eren Jaegermister until the Aladdin cosplayer's grandpa invites them and the Levi squad for a night of drunken debauchery. At the LD Anime Expo, the pro-Eldian supporters reveal that they still look down on the race's island devil counterparts, causing Eren to pull an I'd am a head out until his reunion with the scouts during the Scario in Liberio. The episode then cuts to Aaron Jaeger Monster's perspective as we see him planting the seeds to execute Operation DualShock Rumbling by deceiving Yelena, exploiting Flockboy the Fuckboy, and debating Historia on the right future for all of humanity. In his secret Marley meeting with Zika's Christ, he asks his Jaeger brother for a diagnosis on Mikasa's blood driving her to protect her host though Zeke surmises that it's just puppy love. Asking Eren in turn what he'll do with this news, our Eldian anti-hero declares his intent to bring peace, freedom, justice, and security to his dear friends, just in the genocidal, horrific, set-the-world-on-fire kind of way. Speaking of which, 
In present day, the Wall Titans reach their Marleyan destination on the rumbling road trip, destroying the Global Alliance's navy faster than a game of battleship, and making landfall amidst a band of brothers that abandon their barricade before becoming boot-stomped bodies. Behind the Wall Titan parade, Aaron Jaeger Monster looms ominously over the land in his terrifying founding titan form, steadfast in his desire to destroy Zawardo and all who inhabit it. The end is near, dear listeners. About 270 days near. Oh, you counted? <laughs> About nine months oh, until 2023. Oh, my God. Yeah. I wonder what... I, it probably will premiere, what, winter 2023? Yeah. Because they've been keeping the same cycle. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's been every winter season so far. But, like, this has been the longest season for any sort of TV show that I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's all good because we're getting more Attack on Titan anime. Right. And we're getting a conclusion to this show. Um, so, yeah, the episode starts off with Mikasa pretty much questioning, you know, were all of us wrong about Aaron having changed? Or maybe was he this way from the start? Um, that's going to be kind of like a, a running theme throughout this episode. Um, and we get flashbacks. And seeing Sasha hit me right in the feels because I miss her. I miss Sasha. Mm-hmm. Probably not as much as Connie and John, but I miss Sasha. Yeah, you get a lot of unexpected cameos. I mean, Sasha's is first and foremost. And then later on, you see a flashback that actually shows Erwin um, at, as like the scouts are dining in that hall. But, oh shit! That's right. Yeah, I forgot about that. It was it was just nice getting to see Sh- Sasha alive and well and doing what she does best, and that's in indulging in in foods and delicacies. Yeah, I love the whole like I don't know what you call it the dock I guess or them entering Marley. That whole sequence mm-hmm. was a lot of fun and very much a change of vibe because as you mentioned earlier, it's been a, the last. Last few episodes have been very heavy, very emotional, and here we got several lighthearted moments. For example, Connie seeing a car for the first time, thinking it was a horse, and then Sasha chiming (laughs) in, thinking it's a cow, and then Hanj running after it all excited. That was very them. You got the two stupid characters, and then the one character who is very intrigued by everything in the world. I love how uh, Levi fears that they're going to start buying carrots to feed the the car or the jalopy yeah <laughs> and then onyan capone's like no they're not gonna do that and then he's like oh god they are doing that <laughs> great great little uh comedic moment there a lot i don't know if you got this vibe this first scene felt like the opening to titanic in a way oh like, my god yeah <laughs> kinda well because yeah they, they come off of the ship that that looks like the titanic and even the music it it was kind of a mix between like Middle Eastern and almost like a like Irish sound, and I think that's where it felt like a like a Titanic vibe for some reason. I'm reminded of like the scene with Jack as he's trying to get onto the Titanic. Oh yeah, it's been a long while since I've seen the Titanic. Same. I don't know why I remember that opening scene, um, but another movie this actually reminded me of is Wonder Woman. Do you remember? In oh that right. Film? Um, I'm not going to spoil the premise of Wonder Woman, but there is a scene where she she indulges in an ice cream and she like she she says to the vendor like you should be very proud. <laughs> <laughs> it it feels like maybe 
Wonder Woman was inspired by Attack on Titan because you have the scene where Sasha buys the ice cream and is just so enthralled by the taste. <laughs> I just like that everyone looks great, right? Like everyone looks so cool in their, I guess, quote unquote, modern outfit. Yeah, they're looking very dapper. Yeah, but they also, like all the men are wearing fedoras and I just kept thinking, <laughs> m'lady. M'lady? Like I just expected one of them to be like, m'lady and tip the hat. <laughs> I was waiting for it. <laughs> Yeah, I know fedoras get a bad rap now, but I'll say that they rocked it. <laughs> <laughs> and it was really nice seeing um, not only the main trio back together in more of a normal sense, but also seeing John, Connie, and Sasha back together. Uh, I just found it so funny because, you know, I love John. I love that he was trying to keep the group in check the whole time. And not even just Sasha and Connie, but everybody. He's like, just everyone stop acting out. Just be cool, okay? Be cool. Uh, but the entire time everyone's enjoying themselves, Aaron is pretty much spaced out. And I, I think Mikasa calls that out too. Like she, she's trying to talk to him and he's just completely zoned out. Um, and doesn't have any interest in kind of what's going around, going on around him. And I had a question about that that we can probably flesh out. Um, he says, as he's looking around, he says, this is the other side of the sea, isn't it? Do you think that there's a sense of disappointment there? Because I think season three finale, he says something along the lines of, if we kill our enemies on the other side of the sea, will we all be free? And now he's getting to see the other side <laughs> of the sea. Like, wh what do you make of his reaction and, and his line? I think, I would agree that I think there's some disappointment there. Not in the sense that like, oh, I can't kill them, but it's more like I shouldn't kill them. Mm -hmm. It's going to be very difficult to kill them. And uh, there's a reason that makes me think this, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but it's when... Um, when they're at the Azmabito embassy? Is that what it is? Yeah, I, I think it's like their estate or something like they have in that town. Yeah, so they're there and then Mikasa notices that Aaron leaves, right? And she goes outside and he's standing on top of the hill looking down at that, um, that area where the refugees are essentially living and he's crying. And my thought was, why was he crying? Mm -hmm. And I think part of it could be because he knows he's going to have to kill these people. He's probably looking at this thinking, yes, I'm crying because it's so sad that they're in this situation. It's so sad that their freedoms were stolen, which is what he says to Mikasa. But I'm wondering, too, if part of him is like, I'm going to have to kill these people. These people will die by my hand. Um, so I'm thinking similarly here where he's like, this is the other side of the sea. He's almost wondering, I was kind of hoping that these would be terrible people to make it easier on me to have to do what I'm going to have to do. But no, they're all regular people enjoying themselves because this was such a lighthearted, happy moment for them. Yeah, uh, that's where my mind was kind of going to is like he again, nothing is, is black and white on this show. And so him making that definitive statement about the other side of the sea, then going and realizing that not everything is as it seems um, like I, I'm sure like he's he's wrestling with what he wants to do but there's this human aspect that he also has to reconcile with 
And then there's also that moment, which was really cute when Mikasa gives him the um, the ice cream to try. She's just like so genuinely excited and wants him to try it as well and enjoy this moment. And then he's in there like, he's in there saying, yeah, I know what an ice cream is because I saw it in my dad's memories. All these uh, Eldians <laughs> in Liberio don't get to have this treat. And what she's a... like, dude, I just wanted to give you this to try. Yeah, like, what, what is a... your problem? <laughs> Debbie Downer. Yeah, here. seriously. <laughs> but I, I was kind of glad that we get a lot of gratuitous shots throughout this episode of a happy Mikasa because yeah. you don't really get to see that often from her because she's always like cold and not brooding but like she, she she's a coup de day yeah in, in every sense of the word <laughs> mm-hmm. and yeah that smile that blush we definitely need to protect but I think the the most important moment that happens here um, is that fucking clown <laughs> that comes up to Levi. I'm like, what the fuck is up with this creepy clown hitting on Levi? Like, why Why is he so creepy? It was kind of like Hisoka Tagon level creepy. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, maybe if they made him like happy and then Levi's there all, you know, kudere and angry and whatnot, um, or someday, I don't know what you categorize Levi as, but it was a genuinely fucking creepy clown who thought that Levi was genuinely a child. Yeah, it had like really strange pedal energy. I know, but... he did. I was like, what is going on? But, I almost yeah. thought the, I actually was convinced for a second there that the clown was an enemy and that he was going oh. to out Levi. Cause I was like, this is some brooding energy coming from this clown. I almost expected like the men- the Jojo menacing thing to come up on screen mm-hmm. the way this clown was right behind Levi. <laughs> it was so fucking weird. I don't understand what Isayama was thinking here, but yeah, I guess maybe Levi has a fear of clowns. <laughs> I think he just wanted to put Levi in an uncomfortable situation where Levi obviously cannot take the action he usually does where it's like just murder the guy in cold <laughs> blood for bothering him. Um, I-, I also just find it great that the clown is basically commenting on Levi's height by <laughs> thinking that he's a, a young child. He offers him a lollipop. It's just, <laughs> it's so great. Honestly, this was probably one of the best moments in the episode. I was not expecting this at all, but I think it was fantastic. And then he says like, oh, it looks like you're part of a kitty gang. <laughs> oh, <laughs> God. Man. And I mean, to that point, bro, they really made Levi mad short in this episode. Mm-hmm. Like he is significantly shorter than everyone in that entire fucking crowd, especially when he grabs the kid and is about to run from him and he's pretty much circled um, or surrounded by a wall of all of these Marlians. He's like almost half their height. And I didn't think he was that fucking short, but they made him look real short here. Yeah, I'm looking up uh, Levi's height again. And I think it says... That's not five foot three. Five foot three? That's like a few inches taller than me. <laughs> Hold on. I, I might be looking at the stats for a, a different character. Uh, no. Yeah, I think he's floating around five foot three. Yeah, it says here on the Attack on Titan fandom wiki, 167, 167, 160 centimeters. So he is literally only a few inches taller than me that is that's weird <laughs> but i guess it's accurate then they they stuck to his uh his short height and now i understand why the clown mistook him for a child but he has the strength of like a six foot man obviously <laughs> since he picked up the aladdin kid i think that's our second aladdin reference this episode you mentioned a whole new world yeah. <laughs> and then you got uh, this kid with the fez hat reminds me a lot of like the the one jump <laughs> that scene in yeah. aladdin where he's 
He's going through the streets, getting chased down. But I do want to note that the Marleyans in the scene where the the kid steals Sasha's um, pouch, the Marleyans are so brutal, even to this child who isn't even confirmed Eldian. They're saying, you know, trying to justify it by saying they have to punish him to set an example. And I think this is giving the scouts a little taste of what the Marleyans are capable of with the people that they don't understand or the people that they don't trust. Because again, he is a child. He's not just a pickpocket, um, you know, from another country. Like he is an actual child and they have no hesitation doing, you know, terrible things to him to set an example. Not even just mm-hmm. saying, hey, you know, slap on the wrist, teach him so that he doesn't do it again. They want to use him to set an example for others. Like that is so incredibly over the top. Yeah. Yeah, for them to do this to a child, like imagine, imagine what would have happened if they found out, like the the, the Levi squad were all Eldians, like the riot that they would have caused in that. They would have needed uh, Armin to transform. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forget they had, yeah, they do have the Titan powers, but I think that would have just drawn more attention to them. I honestly think the Colossal Titan is probably the the most useless Titan of all of them, only because. You have to be so fucking far away from him. Otherwise, he's going to have like, it's going to be like friendly fire. You know what I mean? Mm, like, yeah. he can only do so much and he probably can't last that long because his body is so huge in comparison to the other Titans. And he just, he pretty much just transforms and stands there to like roast everything around him. Yeah. <laughs> we got a taste of that at the end, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then we move on to the Osmabito estate where the scouts meet up with. I can never remember her name. Himizu? Himizu? Kiyomi. (laughs) Kiyomi. She's from the Hizu Nation. It's the Azumabito clan. Okay. I'm just, I'm I'm mixing up or I'm trying to smush together Kiyomi and Hizuru Hizuru by saying Himizu. (laughs) So Kiyomi, um, they, they talk to her about what their plan is now that they've arrived to Marley. Um, she mentions that during the peak of the Eldian Empire, being Eldian was a sign of status, but with the decline or the fall of that empire, the roles have sort of reversed. And in response to that, Hanj is saying that their hope is to plead or side with this subject of Emir protection group that's going to be debuting at tomorrow's assembly of some sort. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to go this diplomatic route. You know, Armin's all in for that and hoping to express through this new protection group that Paradis ultimately seeks peace. But we'll find out in a little bit that that's not kind of how things unfold. But then Kiyomi does say that the Azumabito are happy to help. And I, I posed this question before, and I want to ask it again now that we've learned a little bit more about the Azumabito with the last two episodes. Do we fully trust them? Because their first impression on Mikasa wasn't really the greatest, and we did learn that they are very driven by money. And I don't think Paradis probably has a lot of money to give. Do we feel like we can fully trust them? Or do we feel like when they hit those shores with that airship, something might go down? No, I think there is definitely like a quid pro quo sentiment that's still harbored by the Azumabito. Uh, I remember, I think from part one of the final season, that they wanted some sort of like resource, like natural resources that Paradise Island had, and so I'm sure like they they wanted in with Paradise and and getting them on their good side in exchange for something that will bring 
their nation and, and their clan back to prosperity. Or just ensured safety against Aaron and the rumbling. That's true. Although I think he's a, will be destroyed along with everything else on the continent. Yeah. Yeah, probably. So then we move into um, the scene that we mentioned earlier, and that's when Mikasa runs after Aaron, who is overlooking the um, the area where the refugees are staying. And I have questions. Do I have questions? Mm. <laughs> lots and lots of questions. Because, again, Aaron starts off by, um, he's crying. Mikasa runs up to him. He wipes away, wipes away his tears. And as I mentioned earlier, I think that's because he's probably grappling with everything that's coming in the future now that he has seen his father's memories. Um, but he says to Migasa, you know, all of our freedoms have been stolen. He's showing signs that, you know, his his focus is still on saving Paradise or protecting Paradise or getting their freedoms back from the rest of the world. And then out of nowhere, or seemingly out of nowhere, he asks Mikasa why she cares so much about him. And ask, is it because I saved you or because we're family? What am I to you? And I was actually spoiled on Twitter by that panel in the manga. Hmm. It was just the panel where Aaron, because I think the the way it was portrayed in the anime is a one-for-one one to the panel in the manga. It All I saw was that panel where he says, Mikasa, what am I to you? And I was like, well, I want to know what the fuck this, this conversation is, but I don't want to spoil myself. So I've been waiting forever forever to understand what this conversation was just after mm. seeing that one panel. So finally I have context and it's great because I am an Aaron Mikasa shipper. I have been since the start of this anime. I continue to be an Aaron, Aaron Mikasa shipper. Although, you know, John is a good second option for her. You know, he'll treat her well if, if things don't work <laughs> out with Aaron. I fully believe that. Um, so yeah, I think this was such a satisfying scene for me because I finally understood what this conversation entailed. Was it satisfying? No, <laughs> because it ended up being really sad in the end. Um, but I, I I, was excited to see possibly a confession of sorts similar to what almost happened in season two, um, and then that old man fucking cock blocks. But I think my question at the end of the day is, why did Aaron ask that question? I have my theory, um, but I wanted to see what your thoughts are on why he suddenly goes from crying thinking about possibly like what's going to have to happen in the future to turning to Mikasa and saying, what am I to you? Hmm. That's an interesting question. Uh, I want to preface by saying, am I to understand that all of this that happened with Aaron and the rumbling is just because Mikasa kind of friend zoned him? So uh, <laughs> family zoned him. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, I'm sure, like the family answer, Dominic Toretto would, would have been fine with that. Right. The guy from fast and furious and all those family. Oh, names. I was like, who I haven't seen fast and furious. <laughs> um, I think he asked it because he wanted to know that as much as he cares for his friends, that, there is someone who in turn cares for him as he continues to wrestle with what he has to do to save Eldia in the end. I, I think that's part of it. Yeah. Um, here's my theory. Uh, I, I believe that Mikasa is asking this question throughout the episode, you know, wondering if she had given a different answer, if things would have changed. I believe she's she's kind of posing that question because Aaron is kind of wondering the same thing. What I mean by that is, did Aaron see this moment, this conversation between him and Mikasa in his memories or in his dad's memories? And when the time arrived, 
present day, did he hope that when he asked Mikasa that question again, quote unquote, again, um, that she would give a different answer than what his memory showed? If so, Mm. I think that would have told him that perhaps there is another way. There is another alternative or another path for this journey that he's on. However, because Mikasa answered the same way as presumably he saw in those memories, I think that solidified for him that nothing would change. And this is a set path. Um, interestingly, and I think what kind of plays into this is interestingly, when the rest of the group arrives kind of running up that hill, Aaron turns to them and says, good timing, perhaps as a clue that he's seeing how things have played out or he's seeing how things play out right now against his memories. And because nothing changed, he's like, well, I knew you were all going to arrive and I knew we were all going to start partying. Good timing. Wow. You thought really deeply about this that's one that's scene. the only because i've been grappling with this since the episode first aired i'm like why did he ask this question i could not think or, or i could not accept that maybe isayama just put it there as purely fan service that's not his writing style that's not the way he goes about things as we say all the time no bit of dialogue um you know goes wasted in this anime everything that isayama puts in this the show has some sort of significance so this is kind of the only thing that I can think of here as to why Aaron would ask this. He's testing the waters. He's basically testing whether or not fate can be changed. And because presumably Mikasa answered the exact same way as he expected, that tells him there's nothing I can do to change this. It's going to have to happen. So you didn't think along the lines of whether Mikasa sees him as family or as like something more than that? Like I'm trying I think, to... Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. I, I think Aaron knows because his conversation with Zeke later in the episode, they both basically are hinting that they know that there's something else going on here with Mikasa. I mean, Zeke almost flat out tells him, like, she's obviously into you. What are you going to tell her? Mm. So I think that that does play a small part of it. But I think Mikasa keeps wondering if she had given a different answer, would things have changed? If she had said something other than... Aaron's expected answer of your family to me would he have realized oh shit maybe I can change the future maybe things aren't on a set path and maybe there's another alternative here than going through with the rumbling I guess I'm still wondering like why is it the answer of your family that that kind of sets him off I don't know if it's the family piece of it I think it's just whatever answer she gave is an answer that he saw in his memories and was ready was expecting her to give Hmm. So I don't think it's the actual answer itself. I think it's the fact that it was the same answer as what he had seen. That's my theory anyway. Okay. Because I'm I'm still trying to piece together, again, if if he was expecting Mikasa to say that she she loved him. I hope so. (laughs) I fucking hope so. I hope that he's hurt that she didn't confess her feelings to him Mm -hmm. because I I want him to be in love with her as well. But I don't know because Aaron is very difficult to read. Yeah. And I don't know if like that, that confession of love would have been the thing to to change his mind about like saving the world through nefarious means. You don't think love conquers all? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, And yeah, there are some parallels with the you mentioned this earlier uh season two it's episode 12 uh scream um where i think mikasa has a similar confession to aaron um about how she's or he's kind of motivated her throughout her life and she kind of thanks him for what he's done it's not an outright confession 
Uh, and so like this was kind of her second chance. Um, but I think she was just so flustered and unsure of the answer that she just came up with something that she thought would suffice. Um, and I, I grabbed a screen cap of the parallel on Twitter, so we can probably share that on the Discord. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just interesting. Like it's The scene is kind of framed the same way with focusing on Mikasa's face, then Aaron's face, and then both of them in the same shot. Yeah, I know that scene very well. Me and all the other Aaron Mikasa shippers know that scene so well because we were just screaming, kiss, just kiss already as it was unfolding. <laughs> <laughs> they were going to do it, but then he's like, you know what? Instead, I'm going to try and save us by punching Dinah Fritz in her big ass hand. Because he, he got like a big dick energy there. <laughs> <laughs> and I love it though because let me just talk about that scene for a little bit here. In season two when that happens, I mean, she's obviously about to confess her feelings and they, they think they're going to die, but it's her care for him and him probably getting the vibe of what she's trying to say that changes his entire attitude. Right before that, he's crying like the little bitch he was back in the day. And then he, he like does a 180 and says, no, fuck it. I'm going to save us. I'm going to keep wrapping that scarf around you over and over again for the rest of time or whatever the quote was. Um, and so I think that bond not only with Mikasa but his bond with his friends and his loved ones is what drives him forward all the time and we mm. get that here in this episode too he does say at some point I think in the conversation with Zeke um that he just wants everyone all of his friends to be happy yeah and speaking of being happy, we go into the party scene, and that was just <laughs> great. That was fucking great. We see Aaron smile for the first time in so long. Um, we get context for the photo that we saw in a previous episode with uh, Connie and John and that old dude. Yeah, I forgot if that was the episode right before this or episode 85. Because I was confused when I saw that. I'm like, who the fuck is that guy? Mm -hmm. <laughs> What's going on here? But now... Now we know. Um, I saw a moment where John was trying to shove something down Armin's throat. That was great. Uh, there was a moment where Sasha was forcing that minor to drink alcohol. I thought that was questionable, but you know what? It's They're partying. It's the end of the world. It is what it is. Well, they don't know it's the end of the world. <laughs> um, Aaron smiles so peacefully as he's looking at Mikasa and Armin having a great time. That was a really cute moment. Another cute moment was uh, where Mikasa and Armin are sleeping next to Aaron. And I was like, this is so nice. How the cute. All here. We, we never get to see the three of them together like this. And then I realized in the background, Sasha's puking all over the floor. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they captured a college party pretty well. It was great. Scene. <laughs> I love seeing this because this is, we've had a lot of, you know, lighthearted scenes before, but this is one where everyone just kind of let loose and you're reminded that they're older now because they're drinking um before they were children and i don't think we've ever seen them drink right mm, yeah like john was close to drinking that wine that's oh all God. the only other instance i that remember was terrifying for me but yeah it was just a nice scene um and probably the last moment they ever had like that yeah i think the bigger picture is with the the i think it's the mid-east uh that's the nation that these uh refugees are f from like they're communing with Eldians. Like they're, I think politically their nations are supposed to be at war with each other. But in this one scene, I think it's because uh, the Aladdin boy, <laughs> he told <laughs> he told the camp of how the scouts had rescued him from from like the the harbor's wrath, 
And so this was their way of saying thank you to to the scouts. And it just symbolizes like a world in harmony where they're, they're dining at the same table and, and having fun with each other, living carefree and enjoying themselves without the repercussions of knowing that they are the quote-unquote island devils. Yeah, no one questioned whether they were Eldian. In fact, they don't even speak the same language. Mm-hmm. We don't even know if anyone at that um, refugee camp could even speak the same language as the scouts. And here they're just enjoying each other's company. None of that stuff matters because they trust each other. Yeah, and I think when we see Aaron smiling at Armin and Mika says they're they're having a grand old time. I I love Mikasa's smile, by the way, and her, her like laughing, uh, her laughing face. Again, that we must protect at all costs. <laughs> but I think like he knows that this is the end goal that he wants to see with his friends, and I don't know if that really involves the rest of the world um, because his actions right now with the rumbling are dubious at best. But like I think this is what he's he is always envisioning is that seeing his friends like continue to live happily and it's kind of a bittersweet moment when we have that shot of aaron smiling as he's looking at the two of them because we get the far shot where he looks happy you know his cheeks are flushed and he's just giving a very genuine smile but then they zoom into his eyes and his eyes still have this like look of being half dead you you can tell he's still broken because he's like this is great but this may be the last time we can all be together like this. I know what's coming in the future. Mm. I mean, can you imagine the burden that he's carrying knowing the future? And and after, if my theory is correct, after talking to Mikasa and knowing that nothing will change, like he can't escape this. Like this is what he has to do. Like I can't even imagine the, he, ha- he has the weight of basically the entire world on his shoulders. That, that's what that's like. This is it in its purest form. Yeah, it's really strange. Like parallels to the story of like Jesus, not to, <laughs> not to get like overtly religious, but yeah, like this is the burden that he's he's facing in this situation. Yeah, um, I I think that this is a a, a bittersweet party, <laughs> all in all for everybody. Because, the Last Supper. <laughs> yeah, basically, because even though Aaron knows what's coming, I think the scouts at the same time also know that this party doesn't mean that the world's problems are solved. There's still plenty that needs to be done and they're all going to be putting their lives on the line to do that. And I think that's what happens in the very next scene. Like they get the wake up call at that convention. Yeah. The convention. I don't know what they, yeah, what like, they called it. The forum. They yeah. Call like it a, a public forum. forum of sorts or the assembly. Um, they, they listen to the subject of Emir protection group representative speaking about, um, Speaking about the people they want to protect, and it's those Eldians seeking refuge, not the Eldians on parodies, where they're still considering them to be island devils. And that is pretty much, I think, the the final straw for Aaron, where he realizes there is no hope for a diplomatic route. These people who are supposed to be on our side aren't even on our side, just on the side of all the Eldians outside of parodies. There's nothing left to do here. It's time for me to move. It's time for me to move forward um, with my plan with Zeke. So then he sets off on his solo adventure. All because of a stupid convention and getting <laughs> friends. <laughs> so then after the eye catch, we switch from Mikasa's point of view to Aaron's point of view. 
And again, it's unique because normally I associate the narrator of the story with Armin and because Aaron's been pretty much absent from the show for the last several episodes. And so now we're getting a glimpse into some of his flashbacks. Um, we get a moment where he's talking to Yelena about Zeke's plan, but then we find out that Flock was waiting in the shadows, eavesdropping the whole time, and then later was talking to Aaron, where Aaron says that he's going to pretend to go along with Zeke's plan and basically filling Flock in on everything, confirming that, yes, he wasn't just full of shit. He actually was being honest when he said, Aaron told me his whole plan. Yeah. Still doesn't make Flock any less of a fuck boy. So, <laughs> um, I wanted to just quickly go back to when the perspective switches from Mikasa to Aaron's. Uh, it opens up, I think, with Mikasa, you get a, a clear view of the sky. With Aaron, it's a very cloudy view. I, I assume it's because he's thinking these things as he's moving through the steam that the wall titans are emitting in the sea. Um I think it also kind of shows that even though Aaron is saying all of these things, we still aren't truly privy to what his, like what all of his intentions are with the rumbling. And he says something here, which I think harkens back to what you were mentioning about him asking Mikasa the question and realizing that what he, he potentially saw in his father's memories of this scene, um, kind of show that everything's set in stone he he says everything happened by my will and i just thought that was a really interesting line to show that yeah he's set all of these pieces in place without really knowing it but at this point like he's willing or like he's consciously in charge of those he realizes this is my own fault and i have to live with the consequences <laughs> <laughs> So then we move into the scene where Historia is present because well, we fucking forgot about Historia, I guess, for this entire part two of the season. I think it was the first time she has spoken this whole season. We get a quick cameo of her uh, during Aaron's Zoom call um, before the rumbling started or as the rumbling started. And the last thing I remember... Last time I remember her speaking was the flashback from part one. Where Were they by like the haystack or whatever? Um, Because uh, wasn't it in the uh, the episode where we get Emir's backstory? Like the founder Emir's backstory? It starts off with what's her face tell, like, telling the story of Emir to Historia. Did she talk in that, uh, that episode? Maybe uh, that's like too technical. Like, yeah she, well, yeah, she was talking as a little girl back then. But, like, as present-day Historia, we haven't really heard her talk. Well, I know, yeah, th that scene was um, a, a re... <laughs> a remake of... Yeah, a, yeah, a remake of um, that when it first premiered in season three. Frida, that was her name. Oh, yeah, we're Frida. Um, yeah, I forgot she had speaking lines there, although that wasn't technically a, a new scene from Historia. Last one was uh, the flashback from part one, where it's, I think, as they were meeting the Azumabito, and Historia was talking to Mikasa about being, like, a of royal blood. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. And they showed the tattoo for, like, the first time. Yeah. We were all like, what the fuck is this tattoo? How come we haven't seen it before? <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, we just have another scene with Historia after so long. Historia and her, her five head, I guess. And it kind of switches back and forth between 
the flock stuff, the Historia stuff, and then the Zeke stuff. So thinking about just the context around Historia, um, Aaron tells her the only sure way to end the cycle of hate is to bury our hate-filled history with everyone. And I'm thinking to myself, this guy's entire plan is just hitting the reset button. He's like, I'm just going to hit the reset button and we're going to forget all of this ever happened and just start from scratch. And then he drops that line about the worst girl in the world. And I couldn't remember what that was, but then you you clarified it for me. Do you want to remind everyone what that is? Yeah, um, I don't have the exact episode pulled up, but it is from part, or sorry, season three, part one, where I think uh, Historia's father is about to offer uh, Aaron as a sacrifice to Historia so that she can inherit the founding Titan power that's within Aaron. Um, but at the last minute, Historia backs out. Oh, here, it's it's season three, episode 44. And we'll wish. drop a link in the Discord as well so you guys can see that clip. Yeah, um, I think Historia was just so fed up with being part of the cycle of of hatred that she ended up freeing Aaron. Um, and I think she calls herself like the, the worst girl in the world as, as Aaron referred to her here. But it's just interesting because now Historia is kind of backing down on what she said before um, because she, like for good reason because the alternative to or like the option for them right now to restore true freedom for Eldia is the destruction of the world. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like I'm kind of confused by this whole thing because it, it seems apparent in this conversation that Historia and Aaron are not on the same side. And Historia even says like, I'll do what I have to do to stop you. And then she's like, what if I get pregnant? And I, <laughs> I, I held my breath because I know that there's that, that, theory out there that Aaron is the one that impregnated Historia which and I was waiting for it I was like mm -hmm. they're gonna drop that that little tidbit in this scene aren't they but they never did which and I hope that's not the case <laughs> I was thinking because like her pregnancy line is interspersed with the conversation that Aaron was having with Zeke about like his thoughts on Mikasa like I, I just something about no! that. <laughs> I, 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 I don't no. know where I was saying that. So yeah, I was thinking, is Aaron the father or is it? It's the really farm boy, okay. The country bumpkin. They showed him. <laughs> there was a flashback where Historia saw the farm boy. That is the father. We're going with that. I, uh, I am on team Aaron Mikasa. Okay, I know that the Aaron Historia <laughs> people are probably going to debate me on this, but I feel like. They would have made it clear if he was the dad because I don't think he wanted her to get pregnant. No, yeah. He didn't want that because that just perpetuates the cycle. And so she's saying here, I think she's saying that, you know, what if I get pregnant and then the other option is still open to us? We don't have to go along with Zeke's plan. But then mm. he doesn't say anything. So I don't know what the <laughs> fuck is. I don't know what the fuck happened here, but I. I, w I want to believe and I will believe that he did not knock up Historia, okay? <laughs> We're mm -hmm. going with that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, interspersed in, in between all of that is the conversation with Zeke, and it's specific to Mikasa, which is interesting because they never actually name Mikasa, but you can tell through context clues that they're talking about her because um, apparently Aaron asked Zeke if he's ever heard about Ackermans having headaches or about them kind of having this this 
over devotion or over loyalty to like a host, quote unquote. Um, and Zeke pretty much says, no, I've never heard about that. And what Professor Cassaver, what was his his title? Doctor, the Cassaver yeah, guy. Sister, yeah, I don't. I don't know. know maybe he didn't have a title. title. I don't know. But Cassaver basically never had, uh, or had never had heard anything like that either. So Zeke wasn't aware of anything. And then Zeke kind of wraps things up by saying that he doesn't think Mikasa's devotion is forced behavior. That he, she really does want to protect Aaron. And he asks him, "What will you say to her?" And I'm like, "Bro, even Zeke knows that Aaron Mikasa should be a thing, okay? Even he knows that Mikasa has feelings for her, and he's probably excited that he gets to talk to his brother about, you know, a love interest. And I think it's really cute. And I'm just here shipping the shit out of Aaron and Mikasa. <laughs> Every little breadcrumb, I'm gonna take it and run with it. So yeah." We've, we've established then that Ackerman power is only triggered because of their survival instinct, and it's not a reflex or like a duty to protect their host, right? I think so. So then... That sounds right. Do you remember how Aaron was feeding that into Mikasa's brain in part one? Yes, and so now I'm confused because <laughs> I thought he was telling her those things as a way for her to break out of her Ackerman quote-unquote curse, Mm-hmm. But if Zeke here is saying that it's not actually a curse at all, then why was he telling her these horrible things? Was it to try and get her to give him a different answer when he asks, what I, what am I to you? Uh... That's my theory, is that he was trying to get her to maybe hate him so that she was forced to give a different answer, which is kind of what maybe plays into why I think it's not the answer itself the answer itself that um that Aaron cares about it's more the context around whether or not the future can be changed because you had asked earlier if he was upset that Mikasa didn't confess her feelings I still hope that's the case Mm -hmm. but I feel like the way Aaron's brain kind of functions that's not his that's not like a a a thought that's in the forefront uh, forefront of his mind at the moment he's just focused on what the fuck he has to do in the future so he was just saying that he hated her and all of that just to get some sort of rise out of her? Yeah, I think to try and get her to maybe give a different answer to, you know, the question of what am I to you? I don't know. Like, maybe he genuinely did think that there's some sort of Ackerman curse and he was trying to get her to think more independently because that was the original theory around mm-hmm. why he said that. And even Armin kind of confirmed that um, in one of the episodes in part two. Uh, when they were talking about that conversation, that Aaron would never actually say those things to you. He's trying to get you to do something or try, trying to get you to behave in a certain way by saying those things. He doesn't actually hate you. Mm. And I agree with that because everything that he's doing is for his his friends. And she is not only friend, but also family and hopefully one day <laughs> <Lover>. wife. <laughs> <laughs> well, Aaron only has four years to live. You know what? One day could be, you know, in a few months. It could be in a couple of years as long as it's within that four-year window. It's possible. But to that point, Aaron does say, I have four years left. And in response to Zeke's question about what we say to her, he says, I have four years left. Um, after I'm dead, their lives will go on. I want them to go on. I want them to live and be happy. And... Then we get like a a quick flash of Aaron's reaction when he found out that Sasha was shot and killed. And I think this gives us more context around that reaction. Because if you think back to that episode, Aaron kind of laughed and then like broke down. And Connie's like, why are you reacting this way? And I think this is him again, just spiraling and being so broken, realizing that his whole goal is to save his friends and yet he could not save Sasha. 
I think mm. that broke him in that moment. Um, so that that was just interesting context to have back to part one of the final season. So yeah, I just think that you know maybe maybe he's thinking about Mikasa in that way, but also trying not to because he only has a few years left on his contract. Okay, I remember I was thinking like it was a way for him to distance himself from his friends to to kind of protect them. Oh, um, that's a good point too. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah, that way, like with him becoming humanity's biggest threat now, uh, he can remove himself so much from Mikasa and Armin and the rest of the scouts so that they, the world can kind of see them as their allies, um, which I think they wanted to diplomatically establish in the first place at that forum. But And now Aaron's taking matters into his own hands. This is me theorizing. By yeah. The way. And I think you're on the right track because that is the moment that Aaron went off on his solo adventure and he said, fuck it, I'm just going to do things my way then because this is hopeless. <laughs> so then the last scene is the massive fleet of the world's forces getting easily wiped out by the Wall Titans. And I very, very much appreciated this final scene because before this, I couldn't fully grasp how terrifying, powerful, and huge the rumbling was. Because we kind of just got certain glimpses of it. We had gotten a few, you know, far away shots to see how like wide and how tall the rumbling really was. But I kept thinking to myself, it can't be that bad. I feel like the the military in some way, shape or form should be able to hold their own. And then I saw this scene and I'm like, oh shit, this is really terrifying. Yeah, the stuff of nightmares, as I said when the rumbling was first initiated. Uh, I just also loved how visually stunning this scene is. You have like these hues of blue and yellow and orange as the sun's setting in the background against what you think is going to be a, a very exciting naval battle until you realize it's a really lopsided battle um, because you have the gunships that that draw for us blood, but it only takes out a couple of the Titans, which, by the way, those are some really hydrodynamic titans. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to ask, what did you think about the swimming? I was, I can, I can kind of get that it probably looks more appealing than if the titans were just walking along the 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 bottom of the sea. <laughs> I, ge I, I guess. I thought it was kind of cringe. Like, I actually thought that they were going to walk on the seafloor, um, but then they just kind of casually swim. Like this, I think the swimming was you know, too casual. I think that was the problem. It wasn't intense enough. I, I'm thinking, like, what if they made them do like the the butterfly strokes instead? <laughs> I just think, like, I don't know. I kind of wish that their their swimming was more aggressive. It just looked like they were kicking their feet and just kind of gliding along, all like all casual. And so it looked mm -hmm. really funny to me. I was not expecting that. I was like, oh. That's how Titans swim, I guess. Yeah, and they, they looked kind of smaller in size underwater. And then as they reach the shoreline of Marley's or the continent, um, they go back to these terrifying sizes. I don't know if that's kind of like, you know, how your, your skin kind of wrinkles when you take too much of, like you submerge yourself too long in water. Like if their bodies are just shrinking or shriveling a bit. I think it's just how massive the sea is. Mm, yeah. that makes them look small because when they pass underneath the ships you can see how big they are i think you get like a shadowy shot of them mm. which um definitely triggered my thalassophobia i was like hell no that <laughs> is terrifying to me i can't do that 
Uh, but yeah, you see the steam kind of creep towards the fleet, which was eerie. And then mm -hmm. everyone get roasted by the steam as it kind of envelops them, similar to how Armin got roasted before. And yeah. then the cannons are just completely useless against these wall titans, both in the fleet and on shore. And then the scariest thing of all was seeing Aaron's Titan and how much bigger it is than the wall titans. We had a shot of that before, but not this close up and not this detailed. And I'm just thinking I might be getting all uneasy with my thalassophobia, but people with megalophobia must be freaking out seeing Aaron's founding Titan. Yeah, he's... It's like he's the size of an entire city in comparison to the the wall titans, uh, and this this whole thing with the gunships and the artillery on shore, this was kind of like you're bringing a knife to a titan fight, <laughs> and it's just it was so awesome, but also just so terrifying seeing you know as the titans pass through the 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 gunships. The gunships are just thrown into the air like they're toy boats, like like you know that they're they're massive in real life. I'm sure a lot of people have seen battleships or just regular ships in real life. Those are huge. They're they're like hundreds of tons, and they're just thrown in the air like they're <laughs> toothpicks. And then you have the artillery that's trying to pelt these wall titans, and it's not penetrating their 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 bodies as effectively as the gunships are that's it's like throwing pebbles at <laughs> I don't know, pebbles like throwing pebbles at a titan um so you know despite all of the the nice quiet and carefree moments of this episode i like that the the final scene throws us back into the thick of it showing us the the threat of the rumbling is real and you get that shot at the very end where you have like the like hundreds or thousands of titans approaching the shoreline and Aaron's super terrifying like founding titan form even though it's just like it's a little his little torso and head hanging and then you have like his rib cage which just stretches for miles and miles i kind of wonder if you were to just stand underneath the Aaron's founding titan would you be fine can he reach you because think about like the wingspan, I guess you could call it, of like the rib cage and how far apart it probably spans. You could probably just stand right underneath him and he probably can't reach you because he'd have to like poke you. Like he'd have to reach <laughs> inward to try and touch you. So as long as you're like directly underneath him, he probably can't do anything to you. That's true. It, it's kind of like the, the T-Rex has like the yeah. little <laughs> hands. You can't grab anything that's directly beneath it. Uh, oh, one thing I wanted to call out before we talk more about the family is what one of the ship's captain says which just kind of reinforces my theory about Aaron taking everything upon himself to become the the singular threat to the world to take it away from Paradise and Eldia being the world's threat is the ship captain saying all the minds of humanity focused on a single purpose and that harkens back to the eye catch from the previous episode that I mentioned where it says as long as people hold firm to different beliefs there will always be an enemy but here it's the one enemy by the captain saying a single purpose yeah let's let's bring that question up that we continue to circle back to as we learn more about Aaron's plan 
are we still team Aaron? Do we still believe in Aaron, especially seeing this episode, which gives us more context around what he's trying to do? Uh, this uh. question stresses me out because yeah, Aaron's committing thousands of war crimes at this moment. But I feel like as heinous as that is, I will give it to Aaron that he is taking this burden solely upon himself and not spreading it to the rest of the scouts or the rest of Eldia or parodies. Like he is making himself the enemy and it's atrocious. But again, it, it's just focused on him. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think I'm still team Aaron. I think I'm at this point after everything I've seen, I'm pretty much all in on believing in Aaron that there is a a good intention here kind of underpinning everything that he's doing. Like, yeah, it's terrible, yeah, right? Yeah, the means don't justify the end, of Yeah, course. but I think he, he understands that. I think that's why he's crying. I think that's why he's so broken because he has the weight of the entire world on his shoulders and only he can do what needs to be done because – this responsibility was thrust upon him when he inherited the attack titan and the founding titan so it's just it's on him and he has to do it and it sucks but i think at the end of the day his ultimate goal is to do something good what that good is i'm not entirely sure but i am still going all in on aaron just a couple more points um, before we get to, I think, the pivotal line that you referenced uh, earlier in our discussion. Uh, you see Mappa's take on Aaron's shocked face as he's watching Carla's death. Like you get a flashback of that as Aaron prepares to enter with the Wall Titans um, onto the Marlian co- or the continent. Um, obviously, it's it's a stark contrast, and we'll post a comparison in our discord from wit style and mappa style because i think this one is more in line with uh isayama's manga style where it's a lot more lines it's darker um and i think the intention is to kind of show the parallel of Eren entering the continent to destroy the rest of the world um being eerily similar to how Eren's life changed upon uh, Bertolt's colossal titan breaking the wall and allowing Dinah Fritz's titan to um, eat his mother. One thing I was interested, it's interesting, but I don't know if this is kind of intentional, is in Wit's adaptation, Aaron's uh, jacket and his, his shirt are both brown and green, but in Mappa's interpretation, he's kind of wearing the same outfit that we've seen him in throughout the final season which is the black hoodie and the like kind of grayish brown shirt what the fuck you're right you sent me a picture of it or a copy of the picture yeah that looks identical to what he's wearing in the final season yeah that's weird and i i don't know if it's again to be more in line with the manga or you know kind of symbolizing or making a symbol out of that specific outfit for aaron um because as he's come kind of full circle with being <laughs> emo Aaron. Um, so, yeah, again, we'll, we'll share that comparison on this the Discord, and you can make of it as you'd like. 
Well, really quick question. So while we're talking about the big questions, the ongoing questions that we have about Attack on Titan at this point. So we talked about, you know, are we still Team Aaron? One of those questions, I think, is where is Zeke? Right. Like we've answered mm. some of the other questions, like what's going on with Annie? But I think right now it's, are we Team Aaron? What's going on with Zeke? And then I think there's still that open item about those screenshots that people have found in earlier seasons where it looks like Aaron from the final season is in the background of some All of those right. shots. So I'm like, what's going on there? Are we ever going to get context maybe in part three about whether Aaron actually is in those shots or if someone was just dicking around and put a character that looked like him in there? Because there's at least mm -hmm. two that I can recall that I've seen on Twitter where if you look carefully in season one and you look in the background, it looks like Aaron is there with his man bun and his long black jacket and his beige shirt. It's really weird. Yeah, I would have figured like that was addressed when he was revisiting his memories with Zeke, but who knows, maybe there will be context for that down the road with the final, with with part three. Uh, last thing I'll bring up before we talk about, again, the pivotal quote is, I was actually saving this meme for when we actually get the scene of the Marlian soldiers fleeing from the rumbling on the continent. Uh, it's a, it's a, meme that shows the manga panel of Aaron and the wall titans and the soldiers running away <laughs> and it poses one of the biggest questions oh my god <laughs> like the rhetorical questions in anime as you know the marlians are running in fear of Aaron's founding titan power one of them looks back points at Aaron and says yeah but can he beat Goku this is so <laughs> stupid <laughs> <laughs> It's a question. It's a valid question, I guess. <laughs> so but dumb. It's like oh the God. be all end all of any like who's the strongest character in anime. Debate. Yeah, that ongoing <laughs> argument. <laughs> well, we're not gonna open up that Pandora's no, box, but no. this is fucking hilarious. Yeah, we'll definitely post a, a copy of this in in the Discord. This is great. And so I think the last thing we'll bring up is what Aaron says right before we cut to black. Yeah, so he brings back that classic line of I'll wipe them out, every last one of them from this world. And if you think about the first time he said that, which is in season one, episode one? It's actually... Oh, my, actually. my technical. It's, it's season one, episode two. Oh. Uh, that day, the fall of Shiganshina, part two. And I have another comparison screen cap here uh, that we can send in the or share in the discord um aaron's basically saying the same thing that he said that many years ago um whereas before he's talking about wiping away all the titans from the face of the earth yeah very different context between season one and season four to your point the first time we hear him say it we're thinking he's talking about all the titans and then in season four, when we hear it again, we're thinking he's talking about all of humanity. But does he specify either time who he's talking about? Or that's, is he just mm, raging and just saying, I'll kill them all? Yeah, that's what I'm questioning now. And I kind of want to go back to uh, this episode and hear what Aaron says exactly. Because I think in the first season when he says it, he's directly talking about the Titans. Because well, obviously... let's let's look it up on YouTube because I do want to talk. I want to see what exactly he says in season one. Okay, so we just rewatched episode two of the first season, mm -hmm. and then we rewatched this 
episode 87 um, to compare what Aaron says. So do you want to read off, because you have the transcript in front of you, what he says in episode two of season one? Yeah, so I think Aaron is with a couple other refugees from Shiganshina uh, on some form of transportation away from the district. Uh, one man comments saying, it's over, humanity will be devoured by titans again. Then it cuts to Aaron's inner dialogue saying, it's over, I can never go home, why? Why did I waste my final minutes with her having some stupid argument? Ref ref referring to his mother, now she's gone, she's never coming back, why? Then he cuts to a flashback where he's speaking to Hans, uh, who saved him from Dina Fritz's Titan, saying, you lack the strength. And then it cuts back to Aaron saying, because I, because humans are weak, is crying all we can do. Then he outwardly says, um, as Mikasa and Armin listen in, I'll kill them. I'll kill them all. I'll wipe every one of them off the face of the earth. And in this episode, the final thing that Aaron says, um, as the wall titans and his founding titan form approach the continent, all you hear him say is kind of similar line of, I'll wipe out every last one of them from this world. So you can dig into this and think, you know, Aaron never specifically said in this scene that he was going to wipe out all the titans. Maybe he did in other scenes, but just think about this particular scene, which parallels the scene in episode 87. He does not specifically say he's wiping out all the titans from the world. He says humans are weak. The, the, the most recent thing he refers to is humans being weak. Mm -hmm. And then he goes on to say, I'll wipe them out, every last one of them from this world or whatever. And so you could take it either way, right? Like you could say, well, in the context of things, it's the Titans that he's mad at in this moment from season one. So he's most likely talking about the Titans, mm -hmm. but this is Isayama we're talking about. And if Aaron's ultimate goal is to wipe out humanity, then maybe this was subconsciously something that Aaron had planned since the beginning, because Aaron has said that he hasn't changed since the beginning. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm in the camp that Aaron is referring to Titans because Titans are the power that has caused this rift between Eldia and humanity. And so I think you can kind of read between the lines by him saying, I'll wipe every one of them, them being the Titans off the face of the earth, is him wanting to get rid of Titan powers so that with, without the, the nine warrior Titans, because we know they'll, they'll die off eventually, Although I think the power still shows up randomly amongst Eldians. Uh, I have, someone needs to clarify that for me. But with those powers being removed, like there's no longer this dormant threat within the DNA of Eldians. So I, that's how I'm interpreting what Aaron is saying by I'll wipe every one of them off the face of the earth. Although the context of this episode 87 final scene, we can assume that he's talking about humanity. So the key word really is them and what Aaron is referring to as them. Yeah. And I, I'm kind of in the same camp as well that I feel like his ultimate goal is to wipe out all of the Titans. Like that that does seem like honestly the best solution to the problem. No one needs Titans. No one needs to be a Titan. Um, and if you change the Eldians so that they can no longer become Titans, then problem solved to a certain degree. 
but does that really solve things? I think that's the, the question that Aaron is struggling with is, yeah, maybe I get rid of all of the Titan abilities from Eldians, but will that really change the rest of the world's view on Eldians and on Paradis in particular? Mm -hmm. Because it is a cycle of hate that is fueled by not the fact that they're Titans, but the behaviors of the Eldian Empire when they were at their peak. Because, yeah, they yeah. were using the Titans as tools of war, but they were still humans doing terrible things to other humans. So people will still harbor that fact mm. even when, or even if, Aaron were to remove the ability for Eldians to turn into Titans, right? Like, because that was the question I had early on is, why doesn't Aaron just use the Founding Titan power to change the DNA of Eldians so that they can no longer become Titans? Boom, problem solved. But again, it's, it's not the titans themselves it's what the eldian empire did in the past that fuels the hate okay yeah i can see that at point um and i think that spoils down to to human nature like it even if aaron wipes out humanity there's still gonna be good and bad in us but yeah i think it's just removing this titanic threat so that people don't perceive eldia as being worse humans like that's what aaron's trying to get rid of i don't know like we'll, <laughs> we'll see in the in part three when this all wraps up i guess yeah and again it's you you could say we're digging too into it we're we're overthinking it but i don't know man when it comes to isayama you never fucking know and that's mm -hmm. what i love about his writing last thing uh, i want to bring up uh before we move on to final thoughts is with this final scene, we don't hear uh, ashes on the fire um, that track or that soundtrack that was introduced in the final season. It's interesting, and I noted this. They they used the soundtrack called it's called Attack on Titan uh, by the original series composer Hiroyuki Sawano. Um, that's the final soundtrack that we hear for this second part, and it's it's. It's kind of poetic in a way because it harkens back to us hearing this soundtrack in the very first season when we only thought that Titans were humanity's great and greatest threat. When it's, well, I guess Titans really, <laughs> Titans still are technically humanity's greatest threat, <laughs> but now we're we're seeing parallels with the the fall of Shiganshina with now the fall of the continent of that the continent that contains Marlin, Hizuru, and all other nations. Um, so musically, I just love this this callback to an original soundtrack from season one. Yeah, when that came on, I was like, holy shit, I forgot about this song. This mm -hmm. is great. I don't know if they played it in season four earlier. I, I'm not as keen on music as you are, but I was like, damn, they brought back this Attack on Titan throwback. Yeah, I think they used like motifs from this song in other series uh, in other episodes uh scores but here we're we're hearing it full fledged and i think it's slightly different than its first composition uh, i think it it feels a lot more epic in line with us seeing the rumbling in full form um but yeah like as much as we we get callbacks with scenes in these episodes and characters developing in these episodes it's nice that that's kind of in pair with the music as well. 
And so that brings us to our final thoughts for Attack on Titan, the somewhat final season, episode 87, The Dawn of Humanity. So how many thy rumbling come, thy will be dones out of 10 would you give this episode? I would give it an 8.5 out of 10. I thought it was a great episode. I loved the themes of you know whether or not Aaron has changed. I love the POV from Mikasa and then the POV from, from Aaron. And I loved being able to get more context around what happened in the past because with that four-year time skip, you do kind of feel like you missed out on some pieces. I think it was great. It was just a nice way to add more pieces to the puzzle overall for this very complex story. Um, and it ended on a cliffhanger, as it always does, but a really intense cliffhanger that'll set us up for something big coming in part three. Um, but with that said, I, I do kind of wish it propelled the story forward a little bit more. I feel like we were pretty stagnant from what was happening in the previous episode because you can assume that the rumbling probably hit shores on the Marley shores at the same time that the previous episode's events were going down. What about you? Yeah, I would give it the same score on eight of eight and a half out of ten. I think this episode provided a, a moment of reflection for two of the series' most important characters and just for us as an audience as well. I thought it was like a, a beautiful curtain call for our beloved scouts, R.I.P. Sasha, of course, before they embark on one last ride together. Yes, that's like a <laughs> one last ride. Isn't wait? Isn't that a Fast and Furious? <laughs> yeah, thing? Is that a Fast and Furious? Re- I don't know. <laughs> well, we have two Fast and Furious references and two Aladdin references so far. Um, so yeah, that one last ride for the Scouts as it still delves a little bit more into Aaron's current psyche after I think like a seven episode absence. And overall, uh, I thought this was a fantastic and satisfying second act for the final season as it boggled our minds, tugged at our heartstrings, and propelled us headfirst into the series' endgame. I think we talked about this already, but the pressure continues to be on us as we question if we can still be on Team Aaron. And I've had this quote. It's actually from Avengers Infinity War, but I've had this quote in my notes for a couple episodes just thinking of when the right time would be to bring it up because I think it fits like Aaron's psyche so well is it's a quote by Thanos. (laughs) Oh God. So not the greatest in terms of like not coming from a hero, but it's coming (laughs) from a villain, but he says the hardest choices require the strongest wills and will is something that comes up a lot thematically in this episode. So I think, with a mission like Aaron's, which is to end generations of vengeance and hatred, it's not an easy task, and it demands, I would say, the largest price, which is Aaron's own humanity and soul. So I continue to wrestle with this idea that Aaron is like intentionally crucifying himself and putting all blame on himself, putting all targets on himself, so that that hatred and vengeance turns from, again, all of Eldia to all of himself so that it can bring about a world that is united in advancing peace and freedom for all of its people, regardless of like their Eldian blood. So will Aaron truly end up being humanity's biggest threat, or will he be its ultimate savior? 
Like that's that's a question that we'll have to save for part three, and it's going to be a tough wait for the final, final, final part of the season. And I think that's just a given for any Attack on Titan fan throughout this almost ten year journey. So I think we should be used to it. But I think regardless of the outcome, it will be well worth it. Yeah, it's not the four year wait we had between what was it seasons one and two. Yeah. <laughs> so if we survive that, we can survive this. Yeah, we can do it, anime fans. We got this. And I just thought of this too. Like with there being a part three, will we get the long-awaited return of Linked Horizon oh, <laughs> for the final, go. final, final OP? I hope so. In some way, shape, or form, I hope they get one, la- one last ride. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would just be the cherry on top, like, Linked Horizon, again, musically has been such a significant part of Attack on Titan. So for them to have a final curtain call by, like, maybe they'll just do ED, but I'm hoping OP, that would just send me over the moon. Thank you again, everyone, for joining us each and every week throughout the final season, part two of Attack on Titan. We love being able to do this Attack on Titan special event. And like we said before, we will definitely be bringing it back in 2023 when Attack on Titan returns with the final arc. Is that what it's called? Part three? (laughs) The final season, the final arc, the final final. (laughs) Hopefully by then that meme will be dead because everyone (laughs) keeps joking about how it's the final, 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 including us. (laughs) So when it's like... Uh, this would be like the final Pro Max in reference to like <laughs> iPhone. <so. laughs> but yeah, thank you everyone for joining us. Um, until then, until Attack on Titan returns along with our Attack on Titan special event, be sure to tune into Strictly Anime every single Monday for our in-depth anime reviews and discussions about anime culture and take a look at some of the other fun things that we've talked about on Strictly Anime because well, as much as we love talking about Attack on Titan, we do talk a lot about other anime as well. And that wraps up this special episode of Strictly Anime. If you enjoyed the podcast and would like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash the Strictly series and subscribe on your favorite podcast service so you can be notified when new episodes premiere every Monday. And so you can be notified in 2023 when we bring back our Attack on Titan special event. Join our Discord to continue the conversation. Follow us on Instagram at the Strictly Series and on Twitter at Strictly Series. And check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com, where you'll find more info on Strictly JoJo, our other podcast dedicated to JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. All links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening and joining us on this journey through Attack on Titan. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb. Sasageo. Shinzo wo sasageo.